The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Sometimes I just get reminders of why I'm vegan and why it's important to me. In the five minutes before we started this show today, I opened an email And there was a photograph of a lovely young woman who's going to be coming to Main Street Vegan Academy this winter. And it was a picture of her working at a farmed animal sanctuary. She was actually feeding some goats and pigs. But from behind, just in time for the picture, came the most beautiful cow who placed her head on the shoulder of the woman and looked into the camera as if to say, take me seriously, I'm important. And then within about a minute, my dog was making little noises. And I realized that he was looking in the direction of the couch. Well, we have a rescue pigeon who happened to be on the couch, but the dog's chew toy was under the couch. And that was important to him. So I helped him out and exonerated the toy, and we're all living happily ever after. And that reminded me that everybody, every being has interests. And because every being has interests, I am a vegan. And I'm so happy that you are a vegan too, or that you're thinking about it, maybe moving in this direction. It is a wonderful wonderful way of life. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan Program. It is such a pleasure to have you with us today. We have two absolutely wonderful guests. After the break, we will be talking with Gwena Hunter, the founder of Vegans for Black Lives Matter. And right now, we're going to be talking about a really, really exciting campaign that I don't understand why we haven't seen something like this sooner. And that is the Food for Thought campaign from Animal Place Sanctuary out in California. So the Food for Thought campaign is to alert nonprofits, uh, 
animal helping nonprofits, people helping nonprofits, to the idea that, you know what, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be raising money to do good in the world if the food you serve is doing harm. So my guest who's going to tell us all about that is Jessica Jansen. And Jessica works at Food for Thought and um, and the Animal Place Sanctuary so that other nonprofits can adopt their menu policies to reflect a commitment to making the world a better place for all, human and non-human. So this is the place where I would usually say, welcome, Jessica. But I just got a message from my engineer, Okay, we're having a little bit of technicality, and um, she should be here in just a moment. So in the meantime, are you all, whoops, here we are, Jessica? Okay, Jessica and Jeff, the engineer, are still dealing with that. So I was just going to say, what are your Thanksgiving plans? I know that we're all going to be having, or most of us, smaller Thanksgivings than usual. But um, my husband and I are going to do some of the traditional stuff, just kind of pared down. So we always have a tofurkey. Now, I've been vegan forever and ever. I was vegan before there were tofurkeys. And we used to make lentil loaves and things like that. But lately, of course, the past 20 some years we have had a tofurkey Thanksgiving and then we always do green bean casserole from an absolutely ancient book called uh, 10 talents and it's really wonderful it has cashew milk gravy if you want the recipe write to me okay I do believe that our guest is with us now Jessica Yes, ma'am. I'm here. Yay, there you are. And you sound absolutely perfect. So <laughs> thank you for accommodating to all the technical needs. You have been introduced so people know um, that you are with Animal Place and that the Food for Thought program is out there. But now it's up to you to tell us um, why was it founded and uh, what's going on there? Well, it's actually a really great story. So Kim Sterla, who is the founder of Animal Place and also founded the Food for Thought campaign, actually worked in shelters uh, earlier on in her career. And she actually found a giant disconnect in that profession between the dogs and the cats that were adopted out and the animals that were served to raise funds for the shelters and the rescues. And that really came about when they took in a small pig and the staff loved this pig. Zelda was her name. And they doted on her. And she really became sort of like a mascot of the shelter. But then at the same time, they were trying to raise funds for kennels. And they were serving pork products. And Kim saw that disconnect. And it really sat with her. And when she left to start Animal Place, the farmed animal sanctuary, Food for Thought was one of the first things she put her passion into. And so that's what we are. We are uh, a a campaign that works with shelters and rescues, and we help them adopt many policies that reflect their mission to save all animals. And what kind of response do you get? I'm interested in the kind of response you get from the dog and cat organizations, and I don't know if you've reached out that much to other kinds of organizations, but do people say, oh my gosh, it never occurred to us, or does it take them a little bit longer to get it? 
you really do get a mix of reactions. Uh, I feel we often get the reaction of, wow, how did I never make that connection? And more and more these days, I'm getting responses from people saying, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And we already have vegan events or we already offer a vegan option at our events. How do we take the next step? How do we become these humane leaders that we are supposed to be. And you often have people who are a little nervous and they're not sure about the transition. And we we want to say as a campaign, it's never about pointing fingers. It's just about making those connections. It's about connecting the dots and recognizing that we can't segregate farmed animals from companion animals. And we have to see them all as sentient beings. So I think we're we're seeing a lot of positive turnaround these days. And the people who are a little unsure about it, uh, they often just need a little bit of time. We have a lot of organizations that just need a little bit of push or incentive. And then they start to see what we're talking about. Right. So why should these other organizations be looking into this? I realize this is the time, but you're asking them to align your nonprofit's menu with your mission. And I'm wondering if people think, is this my mission? Are you helping them expand their mission? Absolutely. I think what we have to realize is that we're looking for these animal shelters and these rescues to be humane leaders in the rescue community. Our society expects animal protection organizations to set the bar when it comes to humane standards. Farmed animals suffer tremendously on farms and when slaughtered, so it just makes sense for animal welfare organizations to adopt policies that don't support suffering. Mm. And so as a humane leader, we feel it's their responsibility as an organization to operate as compassionately as possible. I love that. And I talk to people sometimes who just haven't gotten over the hump yet for themselves to go vegan full times in their own lives. And yet they, they get it about rising to the occasion. Like this is an occasion when a vegan menu is the only one that be, could be deemed appropriate. And that sounds like what you're, you're trying to do. So it's, I know that you're working with rescues and shelters, but also with environmental and social justice organizations. Do you get a different response from from the latter two? It, it's a little bit of a slower response, and, and that's a new area for our campaign. Um, but we do see a lot of wildlife organizations say, of course, not only does this affect animals in general, this affects our environment. And that affects wildlife by proxy. So we see a lot of that with wildlife. And then with the social justice organizations, we often point out that these you know, factory farms are located in areas of low income and they affect black and brown people. So it really is about social justice when you think about what we have put slaughterhouse workers through as, as human beings. So it, it's a very deep connect on that level, and it often takes a little bit more time, but it really is about adopting a menu policy that supports not just animal welfare, but environmental welfare, and then also social justice. Yes. I, I, excuse me, I'm having animal issues here. I usually do this show in a different room. And today I thought I could uh, have no animal drama, but I guess there's always drama when animals are around and that's part of what makes them so incredibly lovable. So um, how does Food for Thought help organizations through the policy adoption process? So one of the biggest things that we do is we do offer grants. 
In the past, we offer grants for events, and that often comes with an organization who is not sure about adopting a policy yet, but they would love to have an event that is vegan. And so we offer them a grant to help pay for those costs. And then we offer them resources on our website for caterers, food you can order, uh, what events have been successful for others in the past, and then often a policy adoption will follow. Um, right now, because we don't have as many events because of COVID, we are seeing more policy adoptions. And so people jumping right to the policy adoption and saying, I'm going to go ahead and, and adopt this policy and be a humane leader in my field. So it's, it's a, in the past has been an equal amount of events and, and policy adoptions. And now we're really focusing a lot in the way the world is working these days on policy adoptions. I love that. I love the idea. I even like that word policy because it works so well in communicating with people. It's not about opinion. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about this is our policy. And when you state something as a policy, it can really be stepping up to a higher level of, of being in the world. So I really like how you, how you have worded that. So you provide all kinds of stuff um, in this campaign for anybody in, in any kind of nonprofit organization. So I know you've got free consultations for organizations that want to adopt vegan menu policies. What else is going on? If, if I were the um, local uh, animal shelter in my neighborhood, what could you offer me? Well, if you're interested in hosting an event, we can offer you all sorts of resources that are in your area. And along with menus and examples of menus and, and a lot of resources to help you get that event going. As far as policies go, we can even write the language for you. If you are interested in adopting a policy, but you don't quite know how you want to state that or what your mission statement should be, we are there through every step of the way. It's sort of like a hand-holding process. This campaign is incredibly important to those of us who work on it and to the founder and to all of the organizations that have already adopted policies and are living that mission statement. So we're there through the whole process and we want it to be as easy as possible. And sometimes we're counselors. Sometimes someone will say, well, I'm worried about donors not, a, not appreciating this. I'm worried about volunteer enthusiasm. And that's when we come back with examples and stories and things to share that make the process a whole lot easier for everyone involved. Mm. And what about the whole committee idea? When I think about nonprofits, I think of every decision being made by a lot of people. So I'm sure you run into situations where you've got one or two people who think this is a great idea and others who just say, no, never, <laughs> not as long as I'm here. How does that kind of stuff play out? It absolutely happens. And I think the most important thing to remember is we are not asking people to make a personal choice. This is about the face of the organization and what it stands for. So you can go home and eat whatever you like, but it's about what the organization is supposed to represent to people. And that's really where we're coming from. We're not saying we want to change anyone's food choices personally. We just want to see the organizations be the humane leaders that we all recognize them to be. I love it. I love it. And I can just see that this is one of those areas where so much progress can be made. I know a lot of people believe that if we can't just make the whole world vegan overnight, that we're somehow failing. And yet I see so many places where it can happen quickly and it just can make so much sense. 
So this is is wonderful. I'm so glad that that you're doing it. So um, have you heard about the reactions from donors, from volunteers? How are people taking to this from from the outside? People are actually really receptive. We're looking at a big change in the world right now. We're looking at environmental disasters. We're looking at the way everything is affected by factory farming. So we're seeing fires, we're seeing the change in climate, we're seeing all of these things. And because of that, people are becoming more receptive to wanting to be healthier in their environment, healthier in themselves. And so I think we're looking at a big push, like you said, towards acceptance. And often, yes, there are one or two people that are maybe not quite on board when you speak of committees. But at the same time, we're not asking them to adopt anything personally. And so often it's really about what the organization wants to do as far as their mission statement goes. I see. It's just like in the regular world. Yeah. <laughs> People are, you know, somewhere on the trajectory. That's why I like to think about everybody that I know who's not vegan. They're they're pregans. They're they're somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere on the road to this. So how can people get involved in this who think this is just a brilliant idea, which I certainly do? This is such a great time to get involved with Food for Thought. We always welcome people to contact us. If you have an organization that you support, but you know they're not serving vegan food, and that's something you're very passionate about, reach out to us and let us know this is what we do. And we would love to reach out to that organization and try to help them with that transition. And right now with COVID, if you're looking to make a difference in the lives of animals as a volunteer, we would love for people to reach out to us. We actually have many, many volunteers that work remotely. It's all online and it's helping us build databases so that we can reach more and more organizations. The more people we have building databases for us to pull from, the more organizations we can transition and the more animals we save. Absolutely. This is so beautiful. I'm involved with a group called the Interfaith Vegan Coalition. And one of the things that we talk about is is getting religious centers to serve vegan food in their after service times and, and fundraisers and, and other things. And it always reminded me when I was a little girl back in the 1950s, when you went to church, you wore a hat and you wore gloves. And we didn't do that the rest of the time, but it was just like, no, now th this is the place where, where we're going to do that. And this is what we try to communicate to these organizations. This is where you want people to really be living aspirationally, you know, being their best selves and, and doing their best stuff. So I see a little bit of, of crossover there. So Jessica, tell us a little bit about you. I'm always fascinated by people who, who are fortunate enough to be devoting most of their lives to to this wonderful work. So how did it start out for you and how did you get to do what you're doing now? I, I am. I'm very, very lucky to be able to wake up every day knowing that I'm making an impact in the world. And it's very inspiring and it really keeps you focused on what the goals are for what you do with this campaign or any animal welfare organization you work in. We're all on the same side. I actually started off in wildlife. And so that was a big part of my life for a long time. And I, as a vegan, knew how much factory farming impacted the wild animals that I loved. And I worked for a long time in wildlife and I very happily came across this campaign. And like many people was completely blown away 
by how we were not making this connection because I hadn't really made it before this campaign either. It's very easy to not understand. Um, so I came across this campaign and I applied for a campaign coordinator position and I've been with them for exactly a year now. And it's been one of the most enjoyable and impassioning experiences of my life. And I, I love what I do every day. I love the incredible team that I work with and I love representing the animals at animal place and, and that mission. So it's a real joy and a privilege. Oh, an animal place you were telling me before we started uh, is in Grass Valley, California. And how many animals and what kinds? There are about 400 animals and there's all sorts of amazing animals. There's bunnies, there's turkeys that are my personal favorite. There's piglets, there's chickens. There's so many wonderful animals that have been brought in for a forever home at a beautiful, beautiful place uh, where they'll never be exploited again. And it, it's it's an amazing place. It truly, truly is. Oh, that's wonderful. The sanctuaries just do such great work. And I encourage everybody to check out this website, especially if you're involved in any kind of event or in the great year ahead 2021 when events happen again. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're uh, envisioning something like that for any sort of organization, do check out foodforthoughtcampaign.org and you can get all the information. Plus, you can see these really interesting different ways to approach different kinds of organizations. So they've got the animal-friendly menu policy for animal protection organizations, the sustainable menu policy support for environmental organizations, and they've got animal and earth-friendly policy support for wildlife organizations and mission-driven policy support for social justice organizations. So there is really no kind of nonprofit that needs to be serving non-vegan food. And so. we're not yet. We, we have great designs for 2021. The campaign is growing by leaps and bounds. The positive experiences that we're having with shelters and rescues are huge. And we're loving it. And we're looking forward to campaign growth in a huge way. And we would love for people to be a part of that. Yeah, well, that is absolutely wonderful. We want that, too. So the website, foodforthoughtcampaign.org, uh, you can check that out. You want to give us some social media? You got that going on, too? Yes, we do. We have a Facebook and we have an Instagram, and it's Food for Thought Campaign. And we would love for people to follow us and to please share the message. We would love to spread the word with as many people as possible. Yeah, well, we want to spread it with you, too, because this is one of those things that just makes so much sense. I mean, I want the whole world to be vegan. And yet there are some areas that are just going to be a little more difficult. And this one ought to be easy and ought to be huge. So so let's uh, <laughs> let's do this. So you said that you started with a, an interest in wildlife. Was that I, what you were doing before this? Uh, it was. I actually worked in wildlife crime. So I did anti-wildlife crime work for a long time. And I worked in Central and South America quite a lot. And so I did see um, a lot of animal suffering. I saw a lot of animal suffering. And so with Food for Thought campaign, I see a lot of animal growth and joy and compassion. And that is one of the best things about my job is to be able to see the change in these organizations, see how they have learned to accept all animals and really become, when we talk about no kill shelters, this is really no kill. This is really the best way to value all animals. Ooh, 
what a great way to look at it. So, so tell us some menus. Just give us some ideas. So, uh, so I'm that local animal shelter again, and we're going to have a, a dinner. What do we eat? We have had so many great suggestions from different organizations. We've seen barbecues with jackfruit. We've seen barbecues with mushrooms. We've seen everybody's favorite vegan mac and cheese. You can't go wrong with vegan mac and cheese. <laughs> you cannot. Vegan pizza parties. We've seen ice cream socials, coconut ice cream, almond ice cream, so many different options. And you and I know as vegans that the selection for us is just endless. We have so many options. And so we're so excited to see rescues and shelters realize that for the first time and then share that with their donors and their volunteers and their supporters and watch them learn to enjoy that food as well. Yeah. Well, we are really lucky as we're trying to push a vegan message out into the world that the food is really good. It's really easy, very hard to mess it up, even if somebody is is fixing plant-based food for, for the first time. And it's also so pretty. It, it just, you know, when you're having your vegan food and other people are having something else, lots of times they're jealous, you know, <laughs> they want the pretty food too. Yeah, it's 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 delicious. It's beautiful. And you're talking about the best way to be healthy. And we know yeah. doctors say 90% plant-based at least for everyone. So we know that we're being our healthiest versions of ourselves when we're eating vegan. Yeah. Well, this is very, very exciting, Jessica. So let's just go over some of those links again, foodforthoughtcampaign.org. Food for Thought campaign on Facebook and on Instagram. And do check out the website if for no other reason than these exquisite animal pictures. I, I've heard that online, if you post animal pictures, you get the most likes and <laughs> shares and stuff like that. And I can really see why there is something like looking about looking into the eyes of one of these extraordinary beings, whether they're wild or whether they were on a farm and they're at a sanctuary. It's just a special connection that we're really blessed to have. So famous last words in our last minute. I would just say that we're excited to head into 2021 with over 400 endorsers for the campaign Ooh. and it's been incredible growth for us. And we're in love with what we do and we love the animals that we represent and we would like for others to join us on our journey. Oh, fantastic. I love it when you say that you're in love with what you do, because that's wonderful, no matter what it is that you're doing. But the fact is that you're doing something that's helping so many animals and uplifting so many people, then um, what a wonderful thing to be in love with. Thank you so very much, Jessica Jansen, Animal Place, Food for Thought Campaign. And everybody else. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Stay with us through these messages. We'll be back with Vegans for Black Lives Matter. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, 
a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, what a pleasure to have you with us today. Just before I introduce my next guest, I want to uh, make a couple of announcements. We always invite our newcomers and old-timers, too, to take a look at MainStreetVegan.net. That's where everything Main Street Vegan-wise goes on. Um, we are the headquarters for Main Street Vegan Academy, where, where dedicated vegans can train to be certified vegan lifestyle coaches and educators, many of them also turn into successful entrepreneurs so you can check that out at mainstreetvegan.net you can also subscribe to our blog and newsletter and i would love today to give a shout out to some really good friends friends of this podcast friends of of uh, main street vegan and and friends of mine and that is dr t colin campbell and the plant pure nation community And Dr. Campbell is doing a powerful new seminar series on nutrition in a pandemic. So does that sound like what we're all interested in right now? I would say so. I certainly am. So you know Dr. Campbell. He's the China study That was called the Grand Prix of Epidemiology. He is probably the most respected uh, nutritionist, uh, nutritional biochemist in in this country today. And this series is starting on Friday, November 20th, um, but I'm sure you can listen to the first ones uh, later, if you're hearing this later. Um, and there is a fee. It is $229, but with the discount code MSV for Main Street Vegan, uh, you can get $30 off of that, and it brings it down to $199 for 10 amazing sessions with Dr. Campbell. So I certainly intend to be there and hope that you are too. And you can find more um, about that at plantpurenation.com. And we'll also put that information on our show notes at mainstreetvegan.net, along with information about um, our first guest and that wonderful initiative. And the guest coming up right now, who is Gwenna Hunter. Gwenna Hunter is amazing. She starts things and then she does things. I'm just so in awe. She is the founder of Vegans of LA and Vegans for Black Lives Matter. And she's also Vegan Food Aid Coordinator at Vegan Outreach. Welcome, Gwenna Hunter. 
Thank you so much. That was a great introduction. Well, it's, <laughs> it's just delightful to be with you. The last time we were together was on one of those Jane Unchained TV shows, uh, Jane Velez Mitchell, yeah. another powerhouse woman. They're oh, just gosh. coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> so, Gwenna, tell us first about you. I know you could talk about all these initiatives and all these things going on, but I just want to know about you as a person. How did it start and what got you here? Um, you know, I would say that my journey, um, I thought it started back in 2008, but it really started back in the 80s when I was a teenager. Um I lived right up the street from a uh, health food store, the first one I'd ever experienced in my life, called Weber's in Cleveland, Ohio. And I was always fascinated by ingredients. And so I would go in there with the little money that I earned from different, you know, babysitting or different things that I did to earn money. And I would buy things like, you know, uh, natural sodas or potato chips and um, I was so interested and fascinated by uh, plant-based foods. Um, it wasn't really called plant-based then or even vegan. I don't even think I had a word for it. But I was just really curious about, you know, eating things that didn't have animals in them. And I remember buying a veggie burger, and this was in the 80s, keep in mind. <laughs> and I took the veggie burger home, ate it, and it was, well, tried to eat it. I uh -oh. couldn't even get the <laughs> so chewy. It was horrible. It was like a tire. I was like, nope, no thanks. <laughs> and, oh, we've come um, a long way. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think a lot of people are still stuck in that. Like, if they tried it once, like, say you try tofu. You don't know how to cook it. It's going to be the worst thing you've ever tasted in your life. So, yeah, that was my impression. And then, you know, fast forward, um, to some time, I would say, like around 2000, it was like around 2008. And um, at the time, a really good friend of mine had called me, and she was uh, really religious and into Christianity. And she's like, hey, do you want to do the Book of Daniel's fast, which is a fast that's known for you abstain from all animal-related products, dairy, um refined sugar, things like that, and the purpose of it is to kind of like elevate, be able to manifest, have a clearer understanding of what direction you should go in, and just to feel, you know, more powerful and complete as a person. And so that was the purpose of doing this fast. And at the end of the fast, I think it was like 28 days, I felt like I had never felt before. I mean, I felt clear. Um, I had really, really severe menstrual cycles that controlled how I moved about in life. I planned my life around my menstrual cycles. This time, after completing the 28-day um, fast, I didn't have a pain or a cramp. Um, I found myself to be in a pleasant mood, which was rare to experience um, during that time of the month. Um, I had lost weight. My skin was clear. I just felt joyous. And I was just like, whoa, like I was like in shock. And so I attributed that to eating eating animals, to eating meat. So I didn't stay on that path, but I became vegetarian, borderline also pescatarian. 
and had nothing to do with compassion, nothing to do with animals or the planet. It was strictly about myself, which, you know, I think starting with yourself is a great place to start for people. Um, But unbeknownst to me, it would evolve into a lifestyle, a career, and here I am, like, advocating for animals. It's, It's weird. Like, I don't even believe my own life sometimes. <laughs> it, it is pretty magical. I, you know, I think sometimes we think, well, I chose this life, but it seems sometimes more like it chooses us. And I love your health food store story because it's so great that we have whole foods in these great, big, amazing supermarkets, but I kind of miss health food stores. And I remember as a teenager earlier than when you were a teenager, but I went into my first health food store and picked up, I think it was some faux hot dogs in a can. And when I picked it up off the counter, there was this dust circle. (laughs) (laughs) They'd evidently been there quite a while. So it's a new world, but it's cool to be able to remember how it was too. So yeah, um, the gentleman let's... that worked there used to talk to me, and I would ask questions, and he would take the time to answer them. So you know, it's pretty cool. It is, and I think too, you're reminding me of um, Dick Gregory and and how Dr. Alvinia Fulton had a health food store in the South Side of Chicago, and and she just almost just dragged him in with a with a cane like in the vaudeville acts. She, she was basically <laughs> waiting for him to show up so that she could uh, change his life, which she did. And then he, in turn, has, has changed uh, the lives of so many other people. So tell us about these organizations and these groups that you're, um, that you're about. And then we'll get back to you because you're so interesting. I'm afraid I could spend the whole time talking about you. And I definitely want to talk about these three big projects that you have going on. So tell us first about Vegans of L.A., not that you just, you know, pick some little small town somewhere. You got the Vegans of L.A. <laughs> right. So um, I came here to Los Angeles and actually on July 4th of 2014. Yeah, July 4th of 2014. It was just supposed to be a three-week trip. Came here with my cat. Uh, to uh, spend time with a friend and kind of got persuaded to consider, you know, living here because I was going through a career transition at the time, so I had a little time on my hands. And um wasn't the most beautiful experience. I found myself, like, you know, living in a old, dirty motel, uh, just days away from being homeless, ran out of money, um, just really fearful for my own existence. And I ended up um, with the money, little income that I had coming in from a social media business that I had, a lady named Rhea Roma, who won't mind me saying her name, um, told me that I could rent a couch, rent her couch. I had found her on Craigslist. And I rented her couch because she let me bring my cat. And she was vegan. And she's like, yeah, but I wasn't. I wasn't vegan. Um, she, was, she was vegan, and she let me rent her couch and, you know, made it clear what I could bring in the house and what I couldn't. And I remember experiencing something from her that I'll never, ever forget. Um, she would kind of talk to me a little bit sometimes about, you know, the horrors of what they're doing to the animals, but I wasn't there. 
in my mind. That that wasn't a concern of mine, and I just wasn't I, I wasn't making the connection to that because I hadn't seen any of the videos, so I just didn't really know. And so she just one day just cried and just like, it's terrible what they're doing to the animals right this second. And I just thought she was like over-exaggerating and just thought she was crazy. And fast forward, um, as I started getting getting on my feet and things like that, um, a friend of mine has suggested, why don't you, since you like really like vegan food, even though I wasn't vegan yet, I was still vegetarian, she's like, why don't you start something you know, like a hobby, like do something with vegetarians or vegans. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll start doing some meetups because I still wasn't really making, like, the type of friends that I wanted to make. So I'm like, oh, I'll go on meetup.com, create a meetup group, and then maybe do some meetups. So I thought of the name, and I'm like, vegetarian. I kept thinking of words with vegetarian in them. None of them had a good ring. And then I was like, vegans of L.A. And I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I'm not vegan, but I think vegetarians – would want to hang out with vegans, but vegans probably don't want to hang out with vegetarians. So I'm like, vegans of LA it is. And so I did like a couple of meetups and they were really successful. And um, I created the page and started just posting some content on there. And I really had no idea what I was talking about because this wasn't my life or my reality. I just knew what, rest, you know, go to a couple of restaurants, but as far as like, what was going on with animals, factory farming, like that I was way out of my league. And um, I remember um, as I started going into the journey um, and becoming vegan, I started learning different things. And one day I posted a video uh, from Jasmine Lavia from The Invisible Vegan. I posted her trailer for her movie. And I went from 1,500 followers to like 8,000 like overnight. And it was pretty much predominantly all black people. And I'm like, what? Like I was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, this is where everybody is. Because, you know, I just wasn't really finding my niche. And from that point on, I started really focusing on videos and content that was more geared towards people of color, um, highlighting people that were doing, you know, highlighting uh, African-Americans or just black people in general that were opening up restaurants that were, caring about the environment, that cared about animals, that had their own cooking shows, that were, you know, doing all these different amazing things that I had no clue about. And it's just, you know, been evolving from there. And it's just basically, you know, just a page that I manage, but just keeps everybody informed on some of the most current events that are going on. And I'm not 100% all about vegan posts. I also post content about Black Lives Matter, about uh, police brutality, about what's going on politically. So it's not all 100% vegan, but it to me, being vegan is more than just about food. Um, it's also about creating a peaceful world because you can you can eradicate or, you know, do animal liberation, but that doesn't liberate people's hearts. So to me, it's about liberating all of it. And so I try to encompass that on the page as well. Oh, that's beautiful. And then you you actually started Vegans for Black Lives Matter, and that is on Facebook, correct? Yes, that's a group, um, a private group. And, you know, I tell people the truth about this. I did not want to create a group because groups are a lot of work emotionally. (laughs) 
and um, you have to really nurture the group. You got to create content. You got to create conversation to keep everything going. You got to manage people's arguments and pay attention to posts. Like it's a lot of work. Something I just really, as someone who's already incredibly busy. That was the last thing I wanted, but it was like one day I got this. It felt so divine of minding my business, and literally the thought came in. It said, Vegans for Black Lives Matter, and the way it came in was like a, I don't know if you've ever had like a download or a thought that you know came from someplace else. That's how it was. And I created the group thinking, oh, maybe I'll get it maybe a couple hundred people and I'll work on it next week, but I'll just go ahead and create the group so no one takes the name. And I created the group, and the next day there were like 500 people in there. And I'm like, I don't think I can curse on here, but I was like, holy (laughs) (laughs) And then the day after that, it was like 1,000 people and 1,500, and I had to uh, luckily, I got some moderators and people that wanted to be moderators, and we came up with some ideas to slow down. Like, I wanted to slow down the growth of the page because it came right, like, fresh off the heels of George Floyd. Oh so goodness. the energy and the emotions were extremely high, very toxic, um, a lot of sadness, anger, a lot of guilt, and reading that, was it was physically making me sick um, because I was reading all these different emotions and absorbing how everybody was feeling. And I'm a very, very empathic person. And, um, and I haven't mastered my how, you know, how to manage my um, empathic energy, however I want to word it yet. And so it really was like almost like inside of my body, and it was really, really difficult the first few weeks. And then also being criticized about having the group and people telling me what the purpose of the group was supposed to be, but, you know, it was a divinely guided situation. And so the purpose of the group wasn't necessarily to be a safe space really for anybody. It was really to be a place of unity and us coming together and listening to each other and sharing with each other. And I think a lot of times people think because I'm black that the group was supposed to be all black, and that wasn't the case. So there was a lot of drama over that and um, a lot of blocking going on and arguments that, you know, I initiated sometimes. So I'm not going to act like I was perfect. I was a little toxic as well. Um, but, yeah, I think we're we're growing into a better understanding <laughs> of the group. And um, it's not easy when you have two different races coming together, especially when one is saying, hey, I never knew this was going on, so sorry I never listened. Then you have another group that's exhausted and that's tired and that's angry, and then we're coming together to try to heal and listen to each other and inform each other. So, you know, I always tell people being an ally isn't pretty. It's not beautiful. It's not fun because you're going to have to learn. You're going to have your feelings hurt. Somebody's going to correct you, and it's not necessarily always going to be said in a nice way. Um you know, and that's on, on both sides, you know, but it's been a journey for me because I've been someone that kind of uh, uh, bypasses often. And when I say bypass, it means that sometimes I would ignore the pain and just to kind of as a protection mechanism 
and as a way to kind of protect myself. If I saw police brutality online, I look at it and then do something immediately to distract myself so that I didn't have to feel it so intensely. So I did that for years. And But with the group, I'm like, I can't do that anymore. I need to feel. I need to pay attention. I need to be a part of it. And so that's been my journey ever since this group started. So it's not just for others. This is also helping me heal and helping me evolve as well. Wow. Well, I, I totally get the just ha- having yourself tapped from some higher power to say do this. That's how Main Street Vegan happened. I, I was talking to God on the subway on the way home from a PETA event, and I was saying, why, why can't I write them a check for $100,000? <laughs> what's wrong with me? And basically, the, the answer to what's wrong with me didn't come, but the answer came, well, here's what you can do instead. Uh, you can write a book called Main Street Vegan. And the rest was just almost dictated. So it's it's wow. uh, it's really interesting. These things happen, I, maybe not as often as we'd like, but they happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting when you said, like, it was dictated. Like, I had an experience in my life one time. I call it, uh, I had an awake. well, it's, it is what it is. I had an awakening, a spiritual awakening. And when I say a spiritual awakening, I mean it was supernatural with all capital letters. And... I was getting downloads about physics and the universe and how things manifest on a scientific level. I was getting information that I had never read or understood. And during this awakening, I understood physics like I created it. And it lasted three months. And during this time, I was directed to write certain things and to talk to people about certain things and to go through certain experiences. And so, yeah, this is a part of our reality that is sometimes disappointed because people will discount it. But this is, this is living. This is the part, this is the real part of living. Like, well, and this is what's so thrilling about talking with you. And I mean, and obviously, and if anybody's listening for the first time, it's like, are we always over there in the, <laughs> the woo-woo space? <laughs> you know, well, not always. And yet, oh, my goodness, right. it's so fascinating because there is so much that we don't understand. And I think sometimes in the vegan world where we're very focused on activism and changing this world and making this world better, sometimes people kind of downplay, you know, those of us who have an interest in the spiritual dimension as well. To me, it's all connected. What do you do with that? I mean, you're 100% right. Here's the thing, that the spiritual aspect is there whether you believe in it or not. It's happening whether you believe in it or not. You're manifesting constantly whether you believe in it or not. It's just that the way, to me, the way reality works is it's going to respect your belief. So if you don't want to believe that this exists, you don't want to live your life in this way, reality will allow you to live your life in a linear way. If you don't, you know, like I remember when I moved to I moved to Miami, Florida, um, I had left mm-hmm. Cleveland to live there, like in my early 30s. And I went through a spiritual awakening then, but I didn't understand what it was. I didn't know what to call it. I, I thought I was dying. I'm like, this. I must be getting ready to die because I was like super tapped in, 
super psychic. My, my, my intuition was extremely heightened. My dreams were so prophetic and amazing. And I'm like, this must, you know, I must be coming to the end of the road. I didn't know what was going on with me. I just knew that I was having all these supernatural experiences. And one of the things that I had to learn, I, I moved right across the street from a library and I wasn't working, so I was able to go to the library a lot. And one of the books that I was drawn to was a book by uh, Neil Donald Walsh. It was a series called uh, Conversations with God, which was perfect for me because I was coming out of the religious programming, but I still wasn't sure if, if there was a God, what was God, are you mean, are you nice, are you the devil, are you this? Like I, I was still playing around going in and out of these programs. And I kept studying different religions because I'm like, okay, well, people that are Catholic, like they believe in the Virgin Mary, and I've watched shows on the supernatural where they've seen her and they've had experiences. But then a Buddhist person has had a supernatural experience and they've seen Buddha, and a Christian person has seen Jesus. They can't all be true. But what I realized is that, and i got to be real careful with this because I know people – get really crazy with this but it's it's all about your belief system your belief system is like a battery like you power up and you charge whatever you believe so if you believe that you know strawberries are the creator of reality you will have all types of manifestations and experiences with strawberries because of the power of your belief system so i respect all deities, I respect all, you know, whatever people believe, I respect their religions because to them that is the truth. I think mm. the problem we have on this planet is that we're all trying to convince each other yours isn't right, mine's good. So beautiful. Yeah, there's an ancient teaching out of India, the truth is one, teachers call it many names. <laughs> So yeah. we're just we're so close to the end of our time. We have about 40 wow. seconds if you just want to say something <laughs> that's close to your heart. Yes, that you know, if anyone is listening that isn't vegan or you're doing it just for health, that's great, but I just want to tell you animals are conscious. They are aware of their reality and their their lives just like we are. They know the truth. They love us. They love their children. Um so just just take that into consideration, you know, if you're watching and you're someone that still eats animals, just imagine somebody eating somebody that you love and being programmed to think that that's what the truth is. Amen. Gwenna Hunter, uh, Vegans of LA, Vegans for Black Lives Matter. Thank you so, so very much. Everybody get to know this young woman. She is cosmic. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for hosting us. And to everyone, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? 
If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.